BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, everybody. Double G here for the Fight Game Media Network. Before we get to our free show of the of the week which is the rap hosted by Keila Cash and Scott Young and joined by Jeremy Finestone this week to recap the week that was WWE they're going to talk about Bray Wyatt RIP uh they they took some Q&A from our Discord uh they'll talk about NXT recap and all of the things that happened in WWE. And they're going to set the table uh, for this weekend's payback show because they're going to do a free live stream on our YouTube channel. That live stream, uh, the audio will be up on our Patreon Saturday night instead of uh, their normal Monday slot. Uh, But that is... That is next week. That is not this week. But just, uh, you know, go to Fight Game Media on YouTube and you can check out that live show. We just did two live shows this weekend, one covering All In and uh, one, uh, the Power Bombshells did the pre-pre-show. And those are also up on the Patreon already. So subscribe to that YouTube channel. So that you are notified when we go live. We will also be live on Sunday night after All Out. Back-to-back AEW shows here. Um, But, yeah, check it out. And if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com front slash fight game media. We have a deal. If uh, you want to take a shot with the Patreon, let us know. GG at fightgamemedia.com. And I will work with you to give you a free month so you can just check it out and see if you like it. And uh, become a subscriber, get a free month, and then you can decide if you want to stick with us or not. You also get a free invite to the Discord if you join the Patreon. All right, here is the raps. Scott Young, Keela Cash, joined by Jeremy Feinstone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network Plus. Happy Monday to you all as we begin a brand new week in the world of WWE as we get ready for payback going down this Saturday on Peacock from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm Keela Cash, and by myself, as always, is my co-captain, my right hand, the sometimes advocate for the rapidly improving Ron Wagner, who... Hmm, still trying to put people through tables every single Tuesday on NXT, per the orders of my co-captain, the one, the only, Salty Scott Young. Welcome back, Salty. 
Thank you for having me, Keela. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. Uh, you know, before we came on air, I'm going to break a little kayfabe here. Uh, I had my keys taken away. Uh, Mom and dad came and took the car away. Uh, you know, I, yeah, run run one, one stop sign and all of a sudden I can't drive no more. But, you know, it's cool. It's cool. You know what I'm saying? We, I won't get into too much, but I got my car taken away. So I'm real salty, Scott, today. Listen, we apologize. Mom and dad had to intervene no for a little bit. No you need. Know, no we- need. You're like on probation temporarily. So once you learn the ropes of how to do stuff properly, you're going to get the keys back. You're still going to need like a designated driver so you don't get the keys back exactly. So I'll be driving still. And then eventually I'm going to hand off the steering wheel to you and then you can steer. I won't trust you. But the point is, one of these days, you will fly right. It's just not going to be today, tomorrow, next week or next month, maybe. You know what you Damn did. Shame. I ain't do nothing. I didn't I didn't do nothing. You okay? know what you did. I made a full stop. I did not roll through that stop sign, okay? You ran through several red lights, stop line. We have evidence. I was told to stop and I stopped. Nothing was coming. <laughs> I looked both ways and I kept going. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I was 16 years old, I had my driver's test. And the first time I got my driver's test, I rolled through a stop sign. And you know what? I was immediately disqualified for my driver's license for one week. And then I went back and I got my driver's license the week after. And I am a better driver for it. Sometimes you just need (laughs) to pump the brakes, pump the brakes in the right situation. And then you can hit the gas and open terrain, my friend, open terrain. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jeremy Fivestone. I am the special <laughs> guest here tonight. Uh, this was so completely off the rails that we didn't get to that point. But I can't uh, drive. But I can't drive my car no more. You're clearly driving this uh, podcast right off a cliff right now. <laughs> wow. It's so bad that Jeremy introduced himself on this show. Uh, he intervened because Scott was doing too much. Unbelievable. But in any event, <laughs> speaking of strong style, being with us here today to wrap up the month of August is the one and only, the aforementioned who brought himself up on the show, Jeremy <laughs> Finestone. Welcome back, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, hi, guys. It, I, I always make the joke that I feel like I come in on guesting unintentionally on very newsworthy weeks. And I think I'm just at the point of realizing that there is never an unnewsworthy week in WWE anymore. There's always something just like a just a giant anvil dropping in our lives regarding WWE and what's happening next. And unfortunately, the one that we had this week was pretty, pretty devastating. So uh, I'm glad we had a good laugh, but... Man, Keela, I'm just going to give it back to you because I I don't know how to continue going on this route. Yeah, sometimes levity and having some laughs before diving into some some serious stuff is usually the way to go. And we're going to get heavy right now because this was a very difficult week for all of us who watch WWE, all of us who cover professional wrestling because we got a double whammy of bad news. First, it was Wednesday with the death of Terry Funk. That was devastating and sad. 
it was expected because he was not well for quite some time. And it was just a loss of a legend in this industry that will be sorely missed. And then Thursday rolls around and it's around, I want to say a little after six o'clock PM Eastern. And there's a tweet by Triple H and it says plainly that Bray Wyatt had passed away unexpectedly. And that was news that floored everyone. I honestly can say I was numb to the news at first. I was like, is this real? Is this something that has been incorrectly reported? Is Was there a hack or something? But it wasn't. And we saw the outpouring of condolences, love and remembrances from his, fr- from his friends, his coworkers, the people that knew him best. And, you know, this is the first death in WWE of an active wrestler since Eddie Guerrero. And that was way back in 2005. So seeing this news was devastating, surprising. We thought that Bray Wyatt was on the road to recovery from an undisclosed illness. Come to find out courtesy of Fight for Select that it was COVID, long COVID, that excavated a pre-existing heart condition. And unfortunately, he died of a heart attack on Thursday. And it's just incredibly sad to see a light dimmed at 36 years old. And he was such a talent. He was a creative genius in a lot of ways. And that when you look back on his career, he was able to reinvent himself time and time again. Now, the gimmicks can be polarizing at times in terms of the booking, but he had an idea every single time to reinvent the wheel of who he wanted his character to be from the OG Wyatt family, from NXT to the main roster, to the Firefly Funhouse, to the Fiend, to bringing back the Wyatt Six last year. And what's so eerie about this is the fact that we were following the rabbit all across social media this time last year, picking up clues via QR codes, awaiting his return in October of last year. And to have him gone less than a year later is absolutely insane to me. But my condolences go out to his family, to his friends, to people that knew him and loved him the best. And this news on top of Birdley's passing nearly three years ago, it is really sombering to know that one half of the Wyatt family is no longer with us. So, Scott, before we dive into more into the life and times of Bray Wyatt, your thoughts on his passing on Thursday? Yes, I mean, it's a it's a devastating thing. It's it's never something you want to hear. Um, you know, I was always a, a fan of Bray Wyatt. You know, strictly as you know, just the character and, and what he brought to the table creatively. Um, I love the reinventions that he had. You know, for me, it's I, I'm 34, and you know, I, I'm thinking about you know, I got two kids, and my wife, and it just it it you know, you forget all about the wrestling and all that stuff. And you just start thinking about the family and, 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 and the kids and just, you know, them having to move on and, and just having to, to, you know, deal with this. It's, it's just not, it's not fair, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the only way that I, you know, can think about it. Cause I, I just think about if something were to happen to me and my wife and two kids, like I just know, the anguish or if my lost my wife you know it's just so you know it's it's a it's a terrible feeling and it's it's something that unfortunately i as a wrestling fan as a sports fan i i feel like i'm i'm seeing younger and younger athletes passing away from different things um i mean we just saw Bronny james have a heart you know have a heart attack like it's this is just something that is reoccurring and you know 
I, you know, I, my heart just goes out to the family and just to the entire community because it's, you could see the, the shock waves and this is just Bray Wyatt. Like the Terry Funk one was a big one too. You could see what he meant to everybody and just, you know, the kindness of somebody you can tell when somebody just has that type of personality people all over wrestling are just talking about how they just miss his presence just miss big show was talking about just missing the hugs from him Big E talking about just missing the hugs from him you know just having somebody who you knew anytime you saw him it was just gonna be smiles laughs and a big hug man like you just you you live you though tragedies like this make you just think about and appreciate stuff more. And I, I can, I can tell you when I heard the news, the very first thing I did was go and kiss both of my boys. And, you know, I was just like, you know, I just, I love y'all, you know, and, and my oldest was like, I, I love you too, but what's going on? You know, what's up daddy. You okay. I was like, yeah, I just, I just wanted to tell you, I love you. And like, make sure, you know, if this is the last thing you hear from me, it's going to be, I love you. So you know, my heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to, again, everybody who is affected by this and anyone who's going through anything like this. So uh, tragic news. I think WWE did as good as they could with this show. I thought everything was spot on. The chair got me. The chair got everybody, I'm sure. So, yeah, just terrible news. The chair got me seeing Eric Rowan, Redbeard. That got me because he was there for Brody Lee's memorial special in AEW nearly three years ago. And God, to see two of your friends die in a span of three years, that is incredibly heavy. And seeing Braun Strowman there as well in the rocking chair, that did me in the video package and seeing his family, his kids, you know, his friends. And in the tweets, Big E today got me because, you know, he's a great storyteller and how close he was to Bray Wyatt and their connection via wrestling and football and how well they knew each other for years, even before they started their WWE careers, it just really spans the connections he had with so many people and how much this hurts. But Jeremy, your take on the unfortunate passing of Bray Wyatt at 36 years old. There's a, there's a lot here, and I don't know how long I'm going to go here, but here we go. So, I had a hell of an August that included heart issues that were related to blood pressure. And when I finally got them all under control, it just reminded me of, you know, the heart issues that lived in my family and, you know, reminded very concerningly of it. After I got that all kind of settled away in early August, uh, there was a death in the family that uh, we now have to deal with. And, uh, held it together for that, you know, like you're doing your thing, you're doing what you're doing, whatever. Terry Funk's death. Okay. All right. Like it hasn't hit, you know, like we're not there. Bray Wyatt. I find out he died while I'm recording another show for the fight game media network live on YouTube um, with Stephen Conway and like a Slack message pops up that Bray Wyatt has died. And I'm in the middle of talking about uh, Real One Enzo Amore's debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we're just having a laugh. And, you know, like, Stephen wants to roast him, and I'm ready to hear it, and it just stops the show dead. And, like, I'm trying to process this and realize, like, oh, 
great. I'm on the air if I'm doing this. Like, let's just hope I don't fuck up completely disrespecting this man. Uh, at least for the five or ten minutes where we just have to stop what we're doing because there's nothing more important in this exact moment. Then we get to SmackDown. The show starts maybe 30 seconds into that video of Bray Wyatt. I, I like, the ugly cry, the, the, streer, the tears are coming down my face, bubbling. My wife is looking at me, and she's like, Really, it really, it really got you. It's like it did and it didn't. You know, it's like this was the, this was the one that broke the camel's back. Like this has been like a hell of a month, and I can only imagine like what the family is going through. Like it culminating of all my personal worst nightmares. What could happen? You know, with my family. So, like, it just it all burst forth, and so, like that doesn't happen. Like, you know, you just keep it together. You're just like, you're calm. You're that, that's how I do. And it's just like, Bray got me, man. Like Bray, he got it. It was just, it was rough. So I just think about, I just think about the impact this man had. He, for the 2010 decade, there were multiple points in the WWE history where his existence is crucial to the to the furtherance of what's happening from the point that he was in Nexus all the way to Bray Wyatt, the debut with the Wyatt family to the fiend. It just his footprints are everywhere. And I think about what could have been because of his creative differences with other people and people who did not see what he saw. And I wonder if he was truly ahead of his time. I wonder if there is I wonder if there are going to be people that are look at what he did and tweak what he did and try and create either imitations that pale or exceed his wildest dreams. Both are entirely possible. But I think those footprints will exist. And I think he was a driver of the audience. I think people showed up for Bray Wyatt. And I think those people won't be coming back now that he's gone. I don't mm. think that there are I, – I think he was one of those wrestlers that you lost a chunk of the audience and they're never coming back. It's like there are some comic books that people will buy that and they don't care about any other comic book. Once that comic book is done, they're out. They don't care. Bray Wyatt was that kind of comic book character come to life, pro wrestler, and I I truly believe that that is, that is a reality with that. So – been to a couple of Bray Wyatt matches myself live. I don't know if you guys have ever been to any of his. I was, uh, I was at the John Cena uh, Bray Wyatt match at WrestleMania 30. Uh, pretty good match. Pretty good match. Um, I was at 32 or 31, I think, with Undertaker and Bray Wyatt uh, at Levi Stadium. Mm-hmm. I was there. I don't remember exactly what year that was, but you know, I was also I was also at the most magnificent, and I. I, I have demeaned this match in the past, and I will never demean it again because, by God, I'm going to cherish his memory of the fact that I was here for this. The House of Horrors match with Randy Orton. <laughs> the pay-per-view match. I was there for that. Oh, and, you know, I shit on that match so many times. I shit on that match on this show. You got to remember this. You know what I'm talking about. And I, and I promise you, 
I will never do so again. I will cherish the memory of, oh. of that shit match. <laughs> it, 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 it cold day in hell now has a warm place in my heart. And I, I want to thank Bray Wyatt, and I want to thank anyone who might possibly come in contact with his podcast, who has especially touched Bray, Bray Wyatt. He was not my favorite wrestler. He was not what his presentation was not my favorite personally. I liked Swamp Bray more than anything else, but I will not, and I cannot deny that that man, that pro wrestler, that WWE superstar, that entertainer could reach the farthest person in the nosebleeds and get them to pull out their phone and have the firefly light up at the very top of every arena that he went to. And that is something special. And I tip my cap to him. There will never be anybody like Bray Wyatt again. And I am so sorry that this is the way his story ended. It is such a premature ending to a story that I think was still being written with whatever was going to be the Wyatt Six. And yes, gimmicks can be criticized. I was wondering what we are in for with the gimmick. I was confused at the Royal Rumble, but I will never take away his creative genius to reinvent himself over and over and over again. The Firefly Funhouse and all of those psychotic puppets I loved. I will miss Rambling Rabbit. I will miss the many times he was killed off that show. By Do Bray. they all go in the Hall of Fame or just Bray yes. Wyatt? Induct all of them. Induct all of them. Put them Induct- all. Bray, yes. Bray Wyatt's entire, that entire world universe. Okay, yes. no, no, no. They don't get a hall. They get a hallway of fame. Yes, a hallway of fame. Put the puppets in. Put sure. Bray in. Put the Fiend in. Put, put the belt. Put the Fiend the belt, in there. Just the whole. The, the lantern. All of it. Just a I mean, he's foyer. got more than enough to fill up a hallway. So The Fiend yes. foyer. How about that? The feet for you, yes. Um, when, for the when they fan do it, they should events. like they should do like a video, and as you're going down the video, it's it's literally a hallway with all of his. All oh of no, his no, pictures. no! If if there's ever if there's ever a real WWE Hall of Fame, the Fiend Hall of Fame entrance is on the top floor with a curtain with the Fiend like mask on it, and then you go down a funhouse slide into the actual like little hallway mm-hmm. which is the actual like fiend hall of fame that you walk through back into the regular hall of fame there's only one way to do it and that's how you do it <laughs> yes make it an adventure i am here for it so what got me watching the tribute on friday was the fact that he really had like a three faces of foley career he really did he had three yeah. aspects of bray wyatt that were completely distinct and different. And my personal favorite will always be the cult leader swamp version of Bray Wyatt and the OG Wyatt family. I remember when I was a blogger 10 years ago, like I would be the old fashioned blogger that would watch Monday Night Raw and then type up the recap. And then for me, Wyatt's promos were so memorable, I would legit do it bar for bar verbatim. That is how amazing he was as a promo that would captivate you with his words and he grabbed the audience every single time you get your cell phones out you got your lights on you got the firefly effect you got them singing you got the whole world in your hands we had sheep people in 2014 haunting john cena the guy just had a pull with the audience unlike a lot of people in wwe it is not easy to do and as jeremy mentioned 
earlier that when we were looking for the rabbit, looking for Bray Wyatt, and then Triple H drops this date, and everybody thought this is the date he shows up, and then it pops this amazing quarter for SmackDown for a QR code because people were that hyped to see Bray Wyatt. And then we didn't get him until October, but that moment was everything when he walked through that door and it was just him and that pop was everything. And then that promo, when he first came back, it was pretty much a love letter to everyone that stood by him through his release from WWE. So we're going to dive into more of his career as we get to the SmackDown tribute later in the show. But I just want to remember how amazing and creative Bray Wyatt was as a man, as a performer, and how it will be hard to top what he was able to do in WWE. And as Jeremy also noted, maybe somebody right now is clicking in the lap wondering, what can I do? to be as outlandish and avant-garde as Bray Wyatt. Good luck to you. If you got one half of his charisma, (laughs) one nerve of his creativity, go for it. But I don't see it personally. God be with you if you can match (laughs) what Bray Wyatt brought brought to the table. God bless you. Uh, One in a billion. I don't know. I don't know. One in 300 million. Like there ain't another Bray Wyatt out there. Uh, often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah, good luck to the next one. Listen, to end the thing on a happy note, uh, I will never forget during the height of the lockdown era, it was a Thunderdome, and there was TLC. And I swear <laughs> to God, we had the Inferno match. You remember as Randy Orton versus The Fiend. And when Randy Orton lit that dummy on fire, let me tell you, I laughed nonstop for 10 minutes. My side was hurting. I was crying because Randy lit that dummy on fire, sat back and watched it burn. And I hollered. I absolutely did. It's absolutely meta based off of the fact that he managed to take all the heat from every baby face that he (laughs) went up against. (laughs) Come on. Well, that was symbolic. That was like, listen, that was all the heat he took from Seth Rollins, especially in 2019. And that was an encapsulation of all of that. I laughed my ass off. And then he had the nerve to come back burnt as a crisp to sell the gimmick. Like, come on. The commitment. I mean, let's, I let's not forget his first big match was a, was, you know, a fire match, an inferno match against Kane. So <laughs> yes. I mean, it all comes full circle. <laughs> I, um, I, I had a couple of matches that I wanted to bring up. And then I went into the Discord to make sure that I wasn't like jumping on the toes of any of the other suggestions that were in there about people's favorite memories of Bray. So I found one that no one has mentioned yet, but I have a couple that I want a second and third that are in that Discord uh, based off of the favorite memories of, of people's matches of his because there were some good ones in there. Oh, yeah. There were some gems in the mix as well. I got my favorites, too. And let's do that right now, because one of my favorite parts of the show now is the Discord Q&A that Scott and I do every week in our Discord, a part of the Fiking Media Plus perks. If you join, you get to be a part of the Discord, and we drop questions every single week. Love the interaction as of late, but I want to work a little bit backwards, because my bonus question in light of Bray Wyatt's passing was some favorite matches and memories of him throughout his career in WWE. I'm going to pull it up right now, and I'm going to dive into what the people had to say regarding their favorite Bray Wyatt moments and matches in WWE. We got we got Paul Fontaine saying definitely not the best, but favorite match was with Cena at Mania in 2020. 
I have my thoughts on that match I will share shortly. Favorite moment was his return at Extreme Rules last year. We have BF, PSU123. I like the angle where Daniel Bryan pretended to be part of the Wyatt family and turned on them. Bray Wyatt and Stoke Cage. I did love that. Iconic moment in WWE. One of those moments that I was saying was like a crucial pivot point in WWE and why it was a, absolutely a part of it. That is and absolutely Bryan was true. Concussed during it. He was. He was concussed. And that was a wild time. Let's not forget that feud. In some ways, it, it helped. But at the same time, that was when CM Punk decided, you know what? I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm done. But Bray Wyatt was that bridge to help Daniel Bryan get into that main event of WrestleMania. That was a perfect setup. And I love that storyline in their matches. I have to say, even as the Fiend Bray Wyatt, they did not miss at all. Also, we have Gigi mentioning anything Wyatt family and S.H.I.E.L.D. Felt new generation stuff. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. How can we forget Elimination Chamber 2014? The six-man tag, one of the best six-man tags you will ever see in WWE. That, Absolutely amazing. That is my favorite Bray Wyatt match in all in, of all time. Is that is that Elimination Chamber six-man match? Yes, I mean they wrestled out of their minds. Seth was freaking incredible. Oh, God, Brody Lee, awesome. Bray Wyatt was incredible. Roman and Dean, obviously. Eric Rowan. The whole match was just phenomenal. And we got our guy Rainmaker, 207. The trios match, aforementioned, at Elimination Chamber in 2014 versus The Shield. Wyatt was never my guy, but that faction warfare was awesome. I'm also a huge Cape Fear fan, and his character is heavily influenced by Bobby D's amazing performance. I do see that as well. So, So I have... I have a memory of a Bray Wyatt match and low-key one of my favorite tag teams of all time was when Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns were a tag team together. And he hit him with the gun. He hit, he hit, uh, he was about to pin Sheamus and he hit Alberto with the gun and here comes Roman out of nowhere, hit him with a spear as he's pinning him. It was so cool. Incredible shot. It was so cool. That was the one that was like, nobody brought that one up. Ooh, I really like that one. It was one match. It was April 11th, 2016 on Monday Night Raw in LA. 11 minutes, and it was awesome. I think that was the first time they ever kind of like tested the waters of Bray Wyatt as a babyface because I I remember that match because Bray Wyatt got the hot tag. Bray Wyatt was the one who got the hot tag at the end and the crowd was fully receptive of it. I was looking to 2019 for this match. I was shocked when I realized it was 2016. Yeah, almost 10 years ago. That's wild. But that's my shout-out match. That's my (laughs) call-out. Deep cut. Deep cut. The deep cut. I love it. Scott, any deep cuts for you? Um, You know, for me, there's a couple. I, um, I, I, so... You know, everybody talks about the Elimination Chamber where he won the match. I really enjoyed the triple threat that he had with AJ and Cena. I thought that was a really good match. Um, Another story that I always thought was really good, I don't think they ever really got enough out of it, 
was the New Day versus the Wyatt family and the mm-hmm. story of Xavier Woods mm-hmm. being afraid of Bray Wyatt and then standing up to Bray Wyatt. I thought there was still more to that, but I love that story that they told and how you know Xavier at first was people remember because they had that bad swamp cinematic swamp fight, you know, where you know uh the New Day showed up like they wanted to be a part of farmers.com, you know, whatever, whatever that <laughs> what's, what's the uh what's the what's the uh, the farmer dating site called? Farmersonly.com. There it is. They look like they were about to put some profile pics up on farmersonly.com. You knew that way too quickly. You knew that way. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and but I, I thought that story was always real good. And one match that I don't know why it's not talked about when it comes to last man standing matches, I thought it was just an incredible one, was John Cena versus Bray Wyatt when the it was it was essentially the Wyatt family versus John Cena and the Usos, but it was a one-on-one last man standing match. And that match was just wild. You had Usos flying off to, uh, ladders, jumping through tables. It was a it was a crazy match. Um, but yeah, those are some of my uh, deep cuts, I guess you could say, as far as matches um, that I didn't see anyone really talk about either. All right. So obviously Elimination Chamber, trios match, favorite Bray Wyatt match I have seen. His feud with Dan Bryan might be his best feud, in my humble opinion. Their matches never missed. Love their chemistry. And even when he was the fiend, Daniel Bryan who was given Orange Cassidy with the cut back in 2019, heading to 2020. Strap match, surprisingly great. And he carried, and Bray did as well. Really enjoyed that match. I will say that a low point was Hell in a Cell 2019 when Seth Rollins got DQ'd by using a mallet one too many times in a match that had no countouts or disqualifications. But the referee said, stop! You're doing too much, Seth. And that was probably a tiny hammer is too dangerous. A tiny fake whack-a-mole hammer is doing too much damage. But to me, that was probably the moment. The Fiend gimmick jumped the shark a little bit for me, but it bounced back nicely when Alexa Bliss got turned in 2020. I just love their chemistry. It was natural, organic. I just loved the vibe they had together as a duo. To me, that was a lot of fun for her to play into this different character. And I know that she's definitely going through it right now regarding his passing. But those are my favorite moments from Bray Wyatt. But I will say, the one thing that I loved, lockdown, peak era in WWE, we had the Performance Center WrestleMania, and it was a cinematic match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt. It was an avant-garde acid trip of fuckery for 20 minutes it was everything i wanted and so much more it was just so meta and next level and i just think it was a piece of genius in both guys to do something completely different and unique and give us at least for a time john cena turning heel by joining the nwo it will never happen in main wwe but in the pandemic era it's possible how many times have you watched that match I've watched it at least, I would say, three to four times. Scott, how about you? Mm, probably twice. I've only watched it once. I was like, but my was twice like was like back to Seinfeld. back. You ever seen that GIF of Seinfeld where you watch it and he's sitting in like the opera and he's like, nah, <laughs> you just get up. That was kind of me for it. Like, I will probably appreciate it a bit more. 
but it wasn't for me and it's not what I come for wrestling for. But at the same time, like, I know there are a ton of people that loved it. Uh, a ton of people that thought it was amazing. And, you know, if I watched it now and didn't look at it in the framing of it being in a WrestleMania and just watched the match, I wonder if I would have a different opinion of it now. I think you would. I think if you just take away the aspect of it was at WrestleMania and just look at it as a standalone piece of art, you would think, okay, this is actually pretty genius for the time they had to put into it. If you take the WrestleMania banner off, it's a great piece of cinema. I will say it is completely ass trippy, but I enjoyed it. It was hilarious. The inside jokes, the devil Vince puppet saying it's such good shit. I mean, it's like next level meta-ness that I greatly appreciate it. So I think it would age nicely if you look at it again. A true sock puppet fest. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I'm going to miss those puppets, damn it. Damn it, I'm going to miss them. Okay. Uh, May Bray Wyatt West. We're going to circle back on him towards the end of this episode. For the one Bray Wyatt. Yes, absolutely. Got a drink in your hand? There you go, Bray. Drink it up. Yes. We'll circle back for the tribute on SmackDown later on in the show. But let's get into some more Discord Q&A, courtesy of our peeps from our Discord group. As Scott posed some good questions this week to the family. As I scroll, scroll back up right now. So question for the week that he dropped. As of right now, who should who would you book in the War Games Survivor Series match? If you don't think they should book War Games, what should the main event of Survivor Series be? Number two, who is a sleeper name in NXT right now? Who could make the big impact and splash on the main roster right away? GG. One, I don't sense they have teams ready for it because of the bloodline split. Unless you want to take the Judgment Day stuff all the way there, you could do Judgment Day plus Devlin Devlin versus Cody, Sammy, Kevin, and the person to be named later. Who will the fourth person be? Riddle. Number two, they seem to want Trick, but he's nowhere near ready in the ring. A lot of their best wrestlers are so damn small and would get eaten up. I'll say Roxanne because they can tell the underdog story with her very easily, and I can see her coming in and upsetting a big star immediately. We have Brad noting, I can't answer one because I don't watch and I don't want to chime in with teams that might not fit. For number two, the former B Priestley would be a great addition to the, to the women's division. She can promo. She's talented in the ring, is already TV ready, and she has a great look. Paul Fontaine notes, I have Cody, KO, Sammy, and Seth versus Judgment Day and JD McDonough in the men's war games match, probably Roman defending against Solo in the main event of the show. Number two, I'm not sure there's anyone down there that I'm confident would make an immediate splash. Best bet is Nathan Fraser. Then Scott knows of no war games. What would the main event of the show be? And then Roman and then Gigi says Roman title defense. Probably if there isn't a war games match. And then we have Scott circle back saying I'm torn on her simply because I think NXT really needs her right now regarding B Priestley. And I think that she would thrive with the main roster unique in all the good ways looks and in the ring as well. And then Gigi circles back and knows you could also do Roman, Jimmy, Solo, and someone else in a War Games match against a team headed by Jay and Sammy, which was my idea way back when, mm-hmm. as Scott noted as well. And Scott also circles back and knows I still think that Nathan Fraser says a lot to give in NXT with a sleeper. Who, How you feel about Andre Chase moving on up? And then <laughs> Gigi responds, you can only have so many goofballs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. And after that, I think that is the most of it. 
for this conversation and pretty much went back and forth. I don't read the complete dialogue and put our listeners to sleep. But let's toss it to Jeremy. Mm. Your preferred outcome for Survivor Series if we're doing war games this year. Uh, I think Judgment Day should probably be on one side, and if I had to, if I had to book it, I would do a hot angle out of the end of it, like they did at the end of Survivor Series this year. That might be the night that they boot uh, Damian Priest out of Judgment Day, and I would do that, and I would potentially do uh, Cody, Sammy, Kevin, and uh, LA Knight. Probably, you know, one of one the guy, a guy that they want to like give the rub to, kind of thing. Uh, and maybe, maybe, uh, you know, Judgment Day just leave Damian Priest to be fed to the wolves and take off and let the baby faces like pill, pillage the bones. I don't know. That seems to me like the most likely thing. I don't know if there's enough on the bloodline to go back to that but if they were to again sammy giving a huluva kick to roman reigns uh would close a lot of uh circles that they have yet to do uh regarding uh chewing innings and finishing the story uh for for many people as you as they like to talk both cody roman and paul Heyman. uh discuss and what was the uh what was the nxt sleeper thing again yes someone from that roster that could actually make it on the main roster making a big splashy impact who would that be i i mean every time i see braun breaker i just like this guy is gonna this guy he wore a t-shirt that said uh the best spear in the business after (laughs) he gave von wagner a spear i'm like if not the best but I applaud your swagger and confidence. And I don't know, the more that they let him simmer and stew, the more I feel like they are waiting for the perfect moment to just unleash this dude on the roster up on up on SmackDown. Yeah, they're building up to it. He's getting some good equity as a heel right now. I love the run. The struggle beard is a choice, but I'm going to let that go. It's, it's trying to find its way on his face. Every single it's week. It's trim. It is, it is a super <laughs> trim beard. <laughs> yes. Queen lines, queen lines, top to bottom. Yes, 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 yes. But Scott, since you pose these questions, answer these questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Find the best uh, answer tell them that they are great and you, are, you agree with them. <laughs> and there, there are some I agree with. Uh, but, you know, for me, I... Man, I'm still on board with Hila's idea. Like, I, I still think you do, you could still do the Team J versus Team Roman. Uh, Roman obviously will have Jimmy solo. You know, you got to add somebody, which you could, you could do, you could find somebody to add, and then you can, you know, squeeze an LA Knight in there possibly. But then on the other side, you would have Jay. Well, actually, the other side is already set Jay, KO, Sammy, and Cody. So that's the four right there, and then they would have to find somebody. But I, I still think that's that's the way to go. There's no way you don't have Roman on the show, and if he is, he's defending the title. And if he's not, then he needs to be in the in the War Games match. So if they don't do that, Judgment Day is obviously going to be in it. Um, on the other side, 
I think we, you know, we're going to get the Cody, Sammy, KO. As far as who that fourth person is, again, you know, Riddle, he could be the guy, but if he's there, I'm, I'm hoping he's just taking an L. I'm hoping he's just taking the loss. But if they really want to go wild, I would throw the women in there. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe you get Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae in there. They're two, they're two people who were crazy enough to do it. I, I'd love to see Rhea Ripley in there with the Judgment Day, tossing them hosses around. I mean, she'd fit right on in. So that's that's kind of what I, I, you, I personally hope. Go ahead. Do you think that they'll do title title holder versus title holder again, like Roman versus whoever's holding the the title on Raw and then Rhea versus whoever is holding the title on SmackDown again, now that they have equitable titles, equitable titles uh, on both sides. Do you, do you think that that is, they're going to revisit that direction and then have a war game match that is inconsequential to the title scene? Uh, if they do, they have an absolute great story already in their back pocket with Seth Rollins being the one man that Roman Reigns did not beat during his title run. Um, And so to me, that gives Seth Rollins a bit of a claim as a champion because you didn't, you know, you beat everybody else here. You didn't beat me. You know, you lost to me if if we're really going to talk about it. Um, So like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think they will. I just, the success of war games and just being able to have, the structure sell the pay-per-view you know you know we're having war games i I don't think they'll go back to the champion versus champion thing and that's kind of why i'm kind of like roman's got to be in the match you could do two war games and then four title matches tag match women's title men's title they never do gunther on him but you know Put Gunther in a war game, please. Again, I, I beg them. <laughs> and you, you know what? You you laugh. No, Paul, I don't. I Paul, want Gunther in Paul everything. Heyman, we talk about them needing that fourth guy. I could absolutely see Paul Heyman being like, and you know what? Here's our fourth right here. And you're like, oh, my God, it's Gunther. Gunther and Roman standing side by side. That's the money match is Gunther versus Roman in about Absolutely. two or three years. With I don't know. I don't know if you put them side by side. If you do, it's a very it, you have to only tease. So having them team up and then teasing them not being on the same page and then keeping them far away from each other. There there is something to that. Oh Roman Roman would just need to take one chop. One accidental chop. <laughs> just one accident. Just him holding Jay or something. He's like, come on, give it to him, give it to him. Build it up, and Jay move out the way, and he just light Roman's chest all up, all up in here, all up in there. Have it looking like Kofi's. A little bit of ground beef, a little bit of ground beef in the, in the open air. Whoa. Not the Kofi chest. Scott, that's low. Is and- it? That is low. Get one shop is going to reduce Ooh. Roman's muscly chest into Kofi chest. Really? From Gunther. Yeah. Gunther, yes. Now, I love the visual of the ring general and the tribal chief sitting side by mm-hmm. side wondering who runs shit. 
Like, what title's yes. greater, the Ring General or the Tribal Chief, the head of the table? Who's better? So I would love that pissing contest <laughs> at Survivor Series. And that'd be a nice tease for a match down the road, preferably at a WrestleMania. I would be here for it. I am still sticking to my prediction as well of Sami Zayn and Jey Uso reuniting alongside Cody and KO against the Bloodline at Survivor Series War Games. That would be my preferred option. What if Roman recruited the Judgment Day? Ooh. With mm. money in the bank, and you have money, Mr. Money in the Bank. Steve just like, all right, you guys are my, you guys are my army against them, and I'll give you a title shot, kind of like bullshit. And then by the end of the thing, Roman's taking the Haluva kick, and everyone's abandoned Damian Priest. Damian Priest goes to cash in, and they just whoop his tail I don't know if he catches it, right beside Roman like the whole thing just goes sideways for judgment day like everything goes wrong but uh Roman and the judgment day and elimination chamber actually is a very intriguing idea is it weird to say that I feel like the judgment day is not on the same level as Gunther and Roman I think that's something we should probably talk about pretty soon but uh Oh, real, yeah. real quick, real quick. Judgment let me just day. give my <laughs> real quick. Yeah, you're right. Let me, but yeah, let me just give my quick sleeper um, from NXT who yeah. can make a quick splash. I think it would absolutely be WWE's version of S Club Seven, uh, the metaphor. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> got her again. <laughs> Wait a minute. S. Club. You ain't no party like an S Club party. Now, no, pause, pause, pause. You dug into your S Club 7 bag <laughs> from the Fox Family Channel from way back when. That is how far you went in the bag. Oh, man. I mean, oh my God. it wasn't quite in living color far, but, but you know. <laughs> listen, S Club 7 reference in the year 2023 of our Lord and Savior. I applaud you. You are wrong, <laughs> but I love you for it. S Club 7, come through. But, okay, Sleeper, you know my answer. You know my answer, Ilya Dragunov. The end of the discussion, point blank period. He will be absolutely amazing on the main roster. And I have to say, I have noticed he's gotten a little thick lately. The gym work is working. So good for you, sir. You are preparing for your next pathway to the main roster. Congrats I love Ilya Dragunov. I do not share your confidence. Um, I need to put some money on it. Then we're gonna bet a bet, a future bet. Will he be a success? I think he will. I believe it in my heart. Okay, I think that he will have a moderate amount of success, but top level, like winning world titles, not getting frustrated. I think there's a ceiling to him, and I want to be proven wrong. It's a possibility. If this was Vince's WWE, I would say you're absolutely right. Triple H is there. There's a lot of sharks. There's a lot of sharks in the WWE. It is, but I do believe that he can survive, swim upstream, and be a player. I do believe that. It's too good. Well, you're, you swim upstream, you're gonna have to, you're gonna lose those red contacts real quick. Yeah, that. Oh, oh, must. You know how I feel about those red contacts. He's not a go. vampire, sir. They, they need gotta to go. go. Yes, ditch them. But yes, 
Fun topic, as always. Thank you, Scott, for sharing with the people for our Discord Q&A as we quickly segue to some hits for Monday Night Raw. My favorite match from this past Monday was Gunther, the aforementioned Intercontinental Champion, going up against Chad Gable. And I thought this was an awesome match. I loved it. It was physical. The clotheslines poor Gable took from Gunther were sickening. The suplexes as well. But Gable fought back with suplexes of his own. He suplexed Gunther over the barricade. And he got the count-out victory. But here's my thing. Chad, Chadwick, my dear. So why were you so excited over a count-out victory when you don't win the championship? Like, I got one over on him. Like, yeah, oh. but... You didn't win the championship. So therefore, calm down, halt the parade, run it back, and then see if you can win the big one. But I love the match, physical. I love the early start with Chad going with his Olympian bag, with the wrestling and the groundwork. Amazing. Love the mat wrestling. Super quick. Fans loved him in Canada. So I enjoyed the match greatly. But the celebration for me, Scott, of him winning via countout, was a bit much. Oh. Uh, I, I, I'm torn on it. Um, I don't think he went like, he ain't go pick up his kid. You know, he ain't, ain't run around the <laughs> arena. So, you know, I, he, ain't go, he ain't go too overboard. And I thought it was just subdued enough. I think maybe Michael Cole might have sold it a bit much. Um, mm. That could be it. But, but, but then again, this... I. But then again, you have to think like they are making this feel like a big deal. This is so this being the first loss of Gunther, this is kind of supposed to really give that juice to Chad Gable, who let's keep it 100, doesn't win a lot of matches. So this is supposed to be that real kick in the butt. We're like, oh, my God, he did it. He did it. And the crowd reacted the way they were supposed to, which is a big key there as well. So I'm torn on it. I get it. You know, where it's like he didn't, you know, he didn't win the title, but he did win the match. He's 100% going to get a rematch, which I look forward to. So, I, um, yeah, I, I the, the match was fantastic. Uh, the, the build to the to the German, the German over the barricade was beautiful. I thought that was a great spot. Uh, the timing was spot on. Uh, yeah, fantastic. Jeremy, well, I thought. <laughs> I thought this match was fucking awesome. I loved every bit of it. Keila, you had questions why he celebrated. Correct me if I'm wrong, even though he did not win a title, I think he won the winner's purse for a title match, according <laughs> okay. to the kayfabe, and gets a future shot. That boy made a payday here tonight at the WWE Raw title shot against Gunther. I'd be happy too if I made a couple extra coins in my pocket. And uh, you also get to say that you are the first guy to hand Gunther a single loss of any type on the main roster. That's like one, two, three, Kid Razor Ramon level like accolade right there. They're going to be, he'll be living off of that at least for two weeks before they forget about it. But uh, no, I I tremendously enjoyed this match. I was incredibly surprised that they gave him the the DQ win. I figured they would they would beat him and then move on. But there's still a considerable amount of TV cycle before the next 
go round, and I guess he has 18 days as of the Monday Night Raw taping. So if they were to do one more match before that's over, that would solidly get him past the uh, Gunther, past the date of removing Honky Talk Man, thank God, as the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. Let's get some real uh, respect on that on that record book, that record that needs to be broken. Uh, I like this match. It was excellent. Jeremy puts things in perspective. Chad got paid, so therefore he was very, very happy. Chad got paid. <laughs> and when you say that, like, okay, I will co-sign and agree. That was a nice winner's purse by Countout. And I do want the match ran back, preferably a payback. And Gunther will break the record by Honky Tonk with respect. You had this record for a very long time. It's going to fall to the ring general, Gunther, and I'm going to be very happy about it. But I expect a low-key classic when they run this match back with Gable and Gunther, preferably a payback on Saturday in Pittsburgh, PA. But before we get to... I have a hypothetical about the winner's purse real quick. Yes. I want to ask you guys this. For a guy like Gunther, who has not been beaten, does the winner's purse increase slightly each time that he is unbeaten, or is it a flat rate that just remains that way during his entire entire title reign in terms of what the winner's purse entails with beating Gunther. I think it depends on the match. Like I, you know, I think okay. when he went when he went against Otis, he probably didn't get too much. You know what I'm saying? It's just Otis. No, when but I mean against- like the challenger because oh, the, the challenger, like he's had so many challengers that have not like won the purse. Does the purse increase with every challenger that loses, or does it remain the same amount from the time that Gunther first won the title against Ricochet to this point? Like, did Chad Gable win an obscene amount of money because of the amount of people that Gunther has beaten have not claimed the winner's purse, or is it a flat rate? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say flat rate. I don't. Okay. I don't think they stacking like that. They should. I agree. Stack that money. It should roll over after every defense until he loses. And that purse is going to be big as fuck. Little little bit of Gunther's cut just goes to the winner's purse to make it more enticing each time. Each time it's just kind of compounding a little bit more. You know, it's, uh, it, it, it may be gone from a three to a five at the, at the first number on the, uh, on, the, on the little amount that the winner wins. You know, something like that. Nothing too crazy, mm-hmm. but you know, a little bit more, a little, mm-hmm. little bit more to, you know, raise the family. I like it. I like it a lot. I like more money. Let it roll <laughs> over. Roll over the money. I love it. I love it. But let's dive into NXT Heat Wave going down this past Tuesday on USA. I have to say, I enjoyed the show for the most part. We had one kind of thing on the show, but overall, I really enjoyed it. We had the kickoff match on the show involving Ilya Dragunov versus Trick Williams. It is safe to say this is Trick's best match ever. When you're up against Ilya Dragunov, how can it not be? It was not perfect. It was kind of herky-durky in spots, but I would say the body of the match was very good. Trick was resilient. Ilya Dragunov is a beast, and I thought they had a really fun physical match. A knee strike by Trick to Ilya rocked him. And what I love about Ilya is like he says, hit me, kick me, knee me, punch me he took shots to his face he was bruised he was bloody he's absolutely insane and i love him for it but trick 
He held his own and he really stepped up. Now, this is just one match. It's Ilya Dragunov. Hopefully this is a stepping stone for bigger and better things. But I will say when he came backstage and he saw his boy, Carmelo Hayes, and Melo was talking about defending his championship against Wesley and how he wanted to win the match the right way because there's been controversy after controversy due to a little trickery by Trick. And Trick was aghast at this accusation. And then he looked at the NXT championship belt on multiple occasions. He grabs it. Here, buddy, have a fun defense. I'm rooting for you. I don't trust Trick. <laughs> One of these days, he's going to turn on Mellow. And this was planting the seeds for the future, Jeremy. I, uh, it's a low bar, but this was, in fact, Trick, Trick Williams' best match that he's ever had. It was not the best match Ilya Dragunov has ever had. There were points where I was like, oh my God, Ilya's going to drop this man. If <laughs> And Trick did not go up for a couple of these things. Uh, including, a, I think, a powerbomb near the very end of the match. Mm-hmm. And uh, just watched it, and it's like, there was a sense of realism that you could chalk it up to, that you're like, wow, this feels like a fight, a struggle, whatever. But if you've been watching wrestling, you're just like, nope, he doesn't have them, and they got to go again. <laughs> and he's going to get better. Um I am not as optimistic about the future of Trick Williams. I think this was Ilya Dragunov with the thankless job of making him look better than he is. And I hope that there is more growth for Trick Williams in the future, but I am concerned by the time we get to Carmelo Hayes versus Trick Williams in a title match that it will not nearly be the right time for it. Mm. They might be rushing in. You could be right about that because I definitely saw the teases on Tuesday of a turn coming in the very near future. Scott, your take on Dragon Off versus Trick Williams. I didn't like it. I didn't think the match was very good. Um, I thought Dragon Off worked his ass off. I, like, I just thought that guy, I, man, I. I, did, I, I don't know. It wasn't for me. It didn't do a lot for me. This match felt a lot like when um, back in the day when Chris Masters was, you know, we had his master lock going and the matches were all real short and he got one long match on a pay-per-view to show what he had against Shawn Michaels. And the match wasn't that great. And after that, he really didn't get a lot of singles opportunities. That's what this match felt like to me. They put him in there with one of the best workers they had. And I don't know. I think the crowd just really loves Trick. They didn't care if he if he messed up. Didn't They just love that guy. And they want him to succeed. They want him to be successful. And that absolutely added to the match and made it better than it probably should have felt. But I didn't like the match. Um, I, I, I think Trick's got a long way to go. And, and but this but that's what this is for. That's exactly what this is for. He will get better, but I um yeah, this this didn't do it for me. I respect your opinion on that. I did admit it was not perfect in spots, but I still thought that he held his own. And that's all that I can ask. It was not a disaster, it was not perfect, it was pretty good for what it was. It was Dragonoff being awesome as always. 
as we get to another highlight from Heat Wave, it was a match for the true Heritage Cup, as it was Nathan Fraser versus Noam Dar representing S Club 7, according to Scott. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. The rounds are starting to get over with NXT a bit more. And I love the match. Too much picture in picture for me between rounds. But the body of the match we saw on TV full screen was very good. Nathan Fraser, he's another guy who I think is going to be amazing on the main roster someday. He has charisma and the talent to get over. And I think the best thing he ever did was not signed with AEW three years ago because he would be lost in the shuffle. But on NXT, he's a player. He can move up. He can be a difference maker. He's got the potential to be a stand-up star. And he's only going to get better. Noam Dar has been in WWE for a long time. And I think this is best character work ever. And he's very good in the ring as well. And I thought this was a very good match. And Noam Dar winning the cutback makes sense. Technically, he never lost it thanks to Ora Mensa. So he got his cutback. And the most hilarious part about this was a celebration backstage. And we have Lash pouring champagne in the cup. The audacity to pour the bubbly in the cup. And there's going to be an international Heritage Cup tournament going down at NXT. Some nice entrants, including Butch, in the same bracket, on the same side as Tyler Bate. So if they run that back on TV, holy shit, that's going to be awesome. So looking forward to that. But above all else, Noam Dar notes, hey guys, you know what that means? I don't get to defend this title for five weeks. We get to chill. I love him. Love the match. Jeremy, your thoughts on it. They're kind of overdoing the Heritage Cup and I'm getting kind of tired of it. Um, because it's almost a stripped-down version of what they did in NFT UK. And that was a really unique concept. And they went, they they did it a little bit differently there. And it just feels a little bit stripped down when it's here on NFT with the commercial breaks and, and whatnot. It just doesn't feel the same. And that's just a personal preference. Uh, it The Heritage Cup, Cup stuff, isn't really doing it for me. And I don't know how I feel about this Heritage Cup tournament essentially being a mini version of the G1 with a round robin tournament. So you're going to have four in each bracket and you have three of the four announced for each one. Tyler Bate, Butch, Charlie Dempsey in one bracket, Coffee, Duke Hudson, and Nathan Frazier in the other. And they're starting on the 29th. And then the winner of Group A and Group B are on the 26th. So every single episode of NXT is going to have multiple, multiple Heritage Cup matches. We're going to be going so hard on it for the next couple weeks. It's like there is a there is a thing about the Heritage Cup where it's good in small doses where it make, makes you want it more. But it's not going to change the way that they do pro wrestling and WWE. So the more that you do it and the more that you have this different style, it like pure rules works in Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor is a niche promotion. And I'm sorry for anyone that's offended by hearing that. WWE and NXT isn't niche and it's not, and people don't want the niche kind of matches and going more and more into this, I feel, is a misstep rather than taking advantage of 
leaning on the Heritage Cup from here or there because it's a change of pace. It's a risky gamble, I will admit, but let's not forget who runs this show. Walker HPK <laughs> likes to do a lot, likes to put a little bit too much hot sauce on stuff. So he wants to do a whole tournament and give you Heritage Cup matches all the time for four weeks. You're going to eat it up, enjoy it, hopefully. But I, I'm looking forward to it just to see Tyler Bate and Butch again in the ring against each other. Serve me that, and I'm good. But Scott, your take on the Heritage Cup with S Club 7 standing tall. Um, so I, uh, I actually completely understand what Jeremy's saying. And I think a part of that is the, you know, Nathan Frazier, Tyler Bate, I don't know if those are the guys who can really get across kind of what the rounds are, especially when you do have the commercial breaks. Now, metaphor, this is a group where the rounds really can bring out the personalities and can be used. Like we saw, he hit that late move after the round was over and that played into the next round where it was a little slow or, you know, there are times where Dar will be knocked out. I can remember some of the matches where Dar will be knocked out and they'll be fanning him the entire break, you know, during the break between rounds, fanning him, fanning him. And then when the round's supposed to start, they're stalling. They're in the ring. That's kind of how you have to make it work and you have to differentiate it. When you have a guy, a straightforward white meat baby face, you don't get that kind of have those smoke and mirrors. So then it just becomes just a regular match with every three minutes. And then you go to a commercial and you miss half the match. So I, I think with Metaphor and Noam Dar having that title, I think it's going to breathe a little bit of life into it. Now, I do agree with you as far as having multiple matches on the same episode. That's going to be a problem because you're going to end up having somebody win in two rounds, which is fine if you do it every now and then, but they're going to do that multiple times. And I can see where by the time we get to the final, it's like, I'm good. I'm going to walk this back real quick. It appears that the invitation will be a round-robin style tournament in which matches will have a 12-minute time limit. A pinfall or a submission will earn two points and end the match. A draw will be a one point for both competitors. So it's not Heritage Cup rules, but it's a regular match to get a Heritage Cup match against Noam Dar, which is kind of laughable but understandable at the same time. Well, and, and also I like that the 12 minutes because, you know, that's essentially yes. what it would be anyway. So I, I like that. That's, that's okay. Yeah. I, I, I like that, you know, it's different. Um, so, you know, I, that, that's cool. It, and at least you won't get fed up with the heritage cup rules. Now, now I'm of the mindset. You need to make sure you throw a heritage cup match in there every now and then to make sure people still get the rules, see how you can utilize the rules or at least throw highlights of the of the you know of the rounds and utilizing the rounds and stuff. I like wonder that. I wonder if it's still Heritage Cup, but instead of the you have to get two pins or a submission and a pin, it's just one and getting you still have the the breaks at every two minutes. We're gonna get more clarification. We were talking about it on the Discord and then I read this thing here and then there was stuff on uh the morning show the talk where they kind of clarified some rules. But until we watch NXT next week, it's going to be so confusing figuring out what they're going to be doing with this, uh, this tournament. I hope Walker HBK knows good mathematics to keep up with the numbers. That's all I got to say. 
I prayers. do not have any faith in predicting bracketology <laughs> like I did in the G1. I will tell oh, you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Not the NXT bracketology for the Heritage Cup. We God. might need you back, Jeremy, for bracketology. Heritage oh. Cup Tournament Edition. So <laughs> book a date between now and <laughs> No Mercy, and we'll circle back on this to count the numbers right down the middle. It will make no sense whatsoever. None. <laughs> I don't even know, other than Nathan Frazier, who I would have advance into the next round. You know, yeah. like right now, I would do Charlie Dempsey versus Nathan Frazier for the finals. But, you know, like at that point, you would still have Nathan Frazier win. So, yeah, I, I don't even I don't even know. Tyler Bate could win. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The correct answer is Nathan Frazier. The end. There you go. <laughs> Also, for NXT Heat Wave was a mixed tag team match involving the dirty, dumb, demo god Dominic Mysterio, the current reigning defending NXT North American champion, alongside the women's world champion Rhea Ripley from Judgment Day versus Lyra Vicaria and Dragon Lee. I enjoyed this match a lot. Lyra is getting that push, and I am not mad at it. I think her and Rhea work great together i thought they were the glue they held the match together in a lot of ways dragon lee and dom had moments here and there it was not as clean as their previous match for the nxt north america championship but it was still good and this came down to raquel rodriguez coming down to the ringside area to go after ray ripley who took out lyra at ringside and that allowed dragon lee to get the win over dominic mysterio pinned him clean that would possibly get him back in line for a shot at the NXT North American Championship. Scott, your take on this mixed tag team match from WeWave. Yeah, the match was good. Um, Dirty Dom and Mommy do their thing. They're a good team. I I really enjoy Dragon Lee, man. I When he's in the ring, I he's the guy I got my eye on. So uh, I hope he's the one who ends up taking the title. I don't, don't think he will be. It'll probably still be Mustafa Ali. They're going with that whole thing but yeah I, I really enjoy dragon lee i do too he's coming into his own he soon needs that standout signature match in nxt i think it will come via no mercy against dom running back and he will win the nxt north america championship dom will lose in bakersfield it's in his backyard in cali by san diego so we'll see about it but jeremy your take on this match and the lyra vicaria push at the exact same time I appreciate the Lyra Valkyria push. I've been a big believer of her all the way back since NXT UK, but that's really the only positive thing I can say about this match between is the performance of Dragon Lee and Lyra Valkyria. Here's the thing, and when I was thinking about this match, it crystallized immensely for me. We are, it was a purely average match for all the people involved. Every single one of them. It was an average match for Dragon Lee. It was an average match for uh Rhea Ripley it was an average match for all of them and it was an average match on an average show that was going through the motion you label you stuck a label on the show called heat wave but if you don't take the heat wave you take the heat wave off it is just an NXT show doing its NXT thing and I was looking at it and I was thinking of like there is nothing innovative about what they are doing on this and they're energized by having the main roster people coming down. You've got the tease of Becky Lynch coming relatively soon. You've had Rhea Ripley and Dominic guest starring for like four or five weeks at this point. And it's working and it's, and it's going. 
but you're also taking away screen time from other people that are trying to grow and have this kind of um, development on the show. So I am a little conflicted about the direction of what they're doing and how I feel about this match in particular, because it crystallized a lot of things about what NXT is for me right now. You know, you're watching it in there. They want those ratings. They want to pump it up and they want to train those wrestlers for the bigger, for the bigger stage of WWE but it's becoming abundantly clear that the ratings matter more than growing the wrestlers. And maybe that is the right priority, but it doesn't make for the enjoyable product for me. And the way that these matches are coming across feel like they're serving masters that are not the audience per se, but getting the ratings rated to keep the audience retention, whether the match is good or not. And there's always an aspect of wrestling that's like that, but it just feels a little more like you're playing games to keep people watching rather than presenting like the best matches on these uh, branded shows that you're trying to get people to watch. What was crazy is if this was four years ago, this would be the sound strategy for the Wednesday Night War, wouldn't it? Let's implement the main roster a bit more. Let's go head to head. Let's inflate the numbers. It's working now to be competitive as a top two show on cable and being in the top 10 when the rankings are out during the week. That would not be the case during football season. But I do understand completely where you're coming from because we're back in the spot where we were before the existence of AEW and really the reboot of NXT two years ago of what you want the show to be. Personally, for me, I'm kind of cool with it because I was not a big fan of green wrestlers who were not ready for television being thrown out there to the wolves. So listen, let them work and get ready behind the scenes and then make your debut that way versus getting thrown out there unprepared. It's a very comfy show. That's the best way I can put it. It's like, People are very comfortable on the show and they are thrown in there for matches for two or three minutes sometimes. And you are comfortable doing the spot, doing the routine. You had the uh, Ivy Nile and Ava Rain match that was just, it was there. And that's the nicest thing that you can say about it. But it was just a comfortable existing match. No one was challenged beyond the things that they needed to do. Like, the Rhea Ripley tag match, everybody was comfortable. Every It was just a comfy match. And it's a comfy Tuesday night show. Not going to blow, like, blow your mind. It might have a hot angle. Occasionally, it's going to have, like, an amazing jaw-dropping match. But I don't know if it really had an amazing jaw-dropping match tonight. And that's what I mean. It just felt comfy. Yes. And that was especially true for the main event of NXT Heat Wave involving Carmelo Hayes versus Wesley for the NXT Championship. And they hyped it up as two African-American men main eventing NXT for this championship historic. But I have to say, I was a little disappointed because I looked at the clock and I was like, you don't give my guys, what, 10 minutes tops for an NXT Championship match? It was very good. It was some great back and forth action. I'm not going to lie. I love the DDT off the apron to the table by Melo to Wesley. I just love the counter wrestling. The agility by both guys were great. And then we had Wesley take this crazy dive against the barricade. It was kind of scary. And then it was kind of a close call for him to get back in the ring with the count of 10. And then we have... Mello hit nothing but net to retain the championship. It was kind of like, oh, 
that happened and Wesley lost and he was so confident he was going to win and he didn't close the deal. But I felt like mm, it just happened. It was good, not great. I wanted more with more time, preferably at no mercy if they opt to go back to this match. But it appears Dragunov's got next, but we'll see about it. But Scott, your take on the main event, was it as good for you or was it like mm, it was just all right? Yeah, it was definitely a Randy Jackson. Um, he's just, <laughs> I... he's just all right, dog. You feel me? Um, and, uh, you know, you could have shaved off about six, seven minutes from Trick and uh, dragging off and could have gave it here, could have, you know, gave us a little bit more here. But the match was just okay. I don't know if, you know, they were, they were holding back, you know, for, you know, the bigger match down the road for the pay-per-view. But this just didn't have that that gas and you know we've had that before with mellow you know we mellow versus apollo cruz wasn't what i thought it was going to be and even mellow versus Braun breaker was good but it wasn't what i thought it was going to be yeah i i don't know i, I mellow is mellow is him but is it is it is it is this a case of because i think Braun breaker went through a little bit of it too is it a case of He's got to just work with some different people. I mean, Dragonoff was incredible, but now what? You know, who 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 is he going to have that incredible match with? So, I think this is this is the kind of that sign where it's time for him to move on up and and, and head on and start messing with some different faces because it was just there for me. It was just it was just a good match. It was good. It was a good television match. I will say if this is on Peacock with 20 minutes, it would be much better. I think the Mellow's run to me has been a bit better than Braun Breaker's. I feel as if it just needed to be on a bigger stage. And Heat Wave, like Jeremy said, was a nice flashy label for a television special. It wasn't that big of a show. And unfortunately, the main event was existing. But your take, Jeremy, on the main event. You guys, we, we're running a little late, so we'll, we'll move forward. You guys have covered most of the things about the main event, but I got one zinger for you. I felt like this match came up short, much like Wesley came up short when he dove from the ring and tried to hit Wesley outside on the, uh, the barricade, landed on the ground, hopped towards Carmelo as he jumped out of the way, and the rigged barricade slightly went ajar. That was one of those, like, came up short on that one, but better luck next time. Uh, that That's how I felt about this show. They came up short and better luck next time. That was a perfect shady way to wrap up the highs and lows of NXT Wave. That spot pretty much said it all. As we quickly get to SmackDown, this was the tribute special for Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, a very emotional show. Not going to run through all of the matches, but the introduction by Michael Cole to set the tone was very somber in nature. We everybody we had everybody on the main stage, and we had the Tim Bell salute to both Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, and we had the video package that really hit me. I think it hit everybody in that moment. It was the realization that he was gone, and it was a beautifully put together video package by the WWE production team. It was a beautiful love letter of his life and career, his family. The Brody picks got to me as well because both of them are now gone. And the closing shot of the rocking chair on the main stage, it hit 
really hard and the fans singing he's got the whole world in his hands fireflies everywhere the dim lighting and then there was a picture that circulated around with braun Strowman and eric rowan standing side by side leaning on each other by that chair and that got me too because they lost two of their brothers in the span of three years and that is truly truly sad i do want to get to a highlight on this show which was one la night who was bray wyatt's final opponent in WWE. Now, I ain't gonna lie, the Mountain Dew match at the Warrior Rumble wasn't for me. I had my jokes about it, had fun about it. I almost drunk some Mountain Dew Black to wash away the pain. But I will say, and I said this on the show multiple times, like LA Knight was a benefactor by working with Bray Wyatt. He survived a Bray Wyatt feud and became a bigger star because of it. And LA Knight had the difficult task of coming out there and trying to stay in character for most of it, talked about the rivalry, being in character, but acknowledging that this guy basically set me up to be where I am right now. But the highlight for me was, and I'm sorry, Scott, he put Michael Mazanin in a pack right down to the voice imitation. That sounded <laughs> remarkably like The Miz. I was like, this guy was in the pocket. I got to say, this is probably his best in-ring promo in WWE to date. He had bars. He had shade for The Miz. He had shade for Miz being a champion 12 years ago. Had shade for the stunt double. Had shade for him being outshined by The Rock and John Cena at his own WrestleMania main event. Like, LA Knight had the shots for days, and I was living for it. Perfect way to be in the moment to pay tribute to Bray Wyatt and also get his feud over with the Miz at the exact same time. Segue to LA Knight versus Finn Balor main event. Pretty good match. Enjoyed it for what it was. The fans really love LA Knight. He went up top at the vertical suplex and the blunt force trauma for the win to end the night with the visual of the lantern in the ring. The lights go dim one more time. Like it's the fiend's introduction. And we have that superimposed visual of Bray Wyatt with wings as he stands in the backdrop on that screen. And we see the lantern in the ring one final time. Great tribute to him. Kudos to WWE for putting this together on the fly at the last possible moment, less than a day's notice. I know they probably wanted a bit more time to do something a bit more extra, but for what they did, I thought it was a really good show. Nice balance for both Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. Scott, your take on the show. And of course, LA Knight's moment to really be in line as the guy that has next in WWE if he stays consistent. Yeah, it was a good show, good tribute show, good match uh, with Finn and L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight cut a very good promo. Um, I honestly wouldn't mind if he even kind of adopted the run thing. I liked how he brought that in at the very end. Um, So, yeah, very good all around. Jeremy, your take on it? L.A. Knight has made. L.A. Knight has absolutely made, and the momentum is stopping. And I also love that we got yet again – Judgment Day somehow being in the main event. <laughs> the redundancy that the I was meaning to talk about. They have once again, they got they got uh, two main events and a semi-main on NXT. Just run, <laughs> running the world. Not United Empire, it's Judgment Day running the world. <laughs> yes. There was a stat that was noted to me that I think 
for the last 14 out of 16 weeks, the Judgment Day have been in the main event of Monday Night Raw. I don't um, mind. I don't like, mind it, but it's repetitive. It is absolutely, it is absolutely repetitive, but it's working, and it, uh, it's going to come up as a conversation for my favorite match of the week. I, I don't blame you for that because it was a very good main event i will say that but good god it is a lot of judgment day and i love the faction don't get me wrong but i would love some variety in that main event on monday night raw because you just mix and match in the tag team partners every single week it's, a, it's a, either a traditional tag it's either a singles match or a six-man tag like how many more combinations you can give us without me getting a bit bored by it all and i love them but dear god can you believe, I was just thinking about this a little bit seriously, but can you believe the start of Monday Night Raw with Sami Zayn and the absolutely electric crowd and the ovation that we got on one end, and then you think about the fact of how long ago it felt by the time Friday started, and then we had the Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk open and just that was the same week. It was exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. like we didn't even talk about it on this show, but that ovation for Sami Zayn in Quebec and for Kevin Owens was almost as special in a completely different way than the tribute to Bray Wyatt. It truly was. That was a beautiful atmosphere on Monday and the love that Sammy got was incredible and for Kevin Owens as well. And that was minutes on end of them singing to Sammy Zayn in particular. It was a beautiful atmosphere and then it becomes incredibly somber to end the week. That is one hell of a bookend to wrap up the week in WWE that began with such a joyous spirit on Monday and then it ended for other reasons in terms of being somber and sad to remember a life lost far too soon with Bray Wyatt's passing. Just it's, it's quick how life hits you, especially when we are WWE fans covering this every single week. And now on a melancholy note, let's wrap up the show by picking the best damn television match we saw this week. It might be varying opinions across the board for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, maybe a little bit main event, maybe some level up. But Jeremy, your pick for the best match you saw from WWE this week. Uh, you put the Sammy and Kevin intro of the appetizer and that main event for Raw is unmatched this week. It's the best match of the week. All right. Scott, your match of the week. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the uh, the Gunther Chad match. I really enjoyed that. I um I I I'm a sucker for Gunther, so I'm I'm going with the Gunther Chad. I will also go with Gunther and Chadwick Gable for the Incarnate Championship. Jeremy changed my mind, saying the man was happy about his winner's purse. So therefore, you be happy, Chad. But you didn't win the championship. You got a nice bag, though. Congratulations to you. And he was over in Quebec. Gotta love it for him. My favorite match this week. And on that note, this wraps up quite the week that was in WWE. Full of highs, some lows, some moments that made us reflect on the legacy and the importance of Bray Wyatt and WWE and also the passing of the hardcore legend Terry Funk. May they both rest in peace. I want to thank Scott and Jeremy for joining me this week as we talked about quite 
the week that was in WWE. Thank you for having me. As always, it's a pleasure to chop it up and talk all things WWE. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to get my keys back. It's really fun to watch you say chop it up. Because I can like, it's almost like popping. Uh, you're popping me. Like, I get to see it now. And it's like, <laughs> like I get to see you just like lean forward into the mic. It's like, Kila, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoy <laughs> Chopping it up, and then and you back away a little bit, and it's it's so adorable. <laughs> oh, not adorable. I mean, he walks to talk like he's a kid, and we took his keys away. Like it's adorable. <laughs> oh, my man, he's... my man, talking to me like I'm a like I'm the brown, like I'm the brown, like I'm the purple. Oh, Scott, you want me to rub your head a little bit too? <laughs> no, you did a good job. You did a good job on the podcast, Scott. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. At least uh, I know I'll be, I'll be able to come back next week. I, I honestly, I have such a great time with you guys. You guys have such a great show here that uh, I make jokes, but I am always considering myself very lucky when I get to sit in and uh, just be an extra chair with you guys. So thank you for having. Chop me. it up with us, you mean? Yeah, chop it up. <laughs> I think I, I think there was the the one or two times where you like things just happened and you couldn't make it, and I just had to make sure I. I I chopped it up for you just yes. to make sure that the, the street stayed alive. Oh my God. And the street stayed they alive. Loved Jeremy. By proxy. <laughs> yes. Jeremy came through that week then that Scott was not available. And guess what? It, the show survived. It thrived. And of course, we have to always thank Jeremy for creating the land known as Roseconda. Roseconda forever. Yes, a Jeremy Feinstone original, and for that we are thankful. And that would be the tagline heading into WrestleMania 40 in Philly: "The Roads to Roseconda, WrestleMania Edition." Hey, hey, real quick, let me just say this before we go: If that man, Cody Luther King, comes out (laughs) with some. You know, <laughs> some cash money type shirt, and he is sitting there like this. And there's some some roads kinda. I'm telling you, I'm copping all five. You, all you have to do is invert that entire American Nightmare outfit to black, and it's done. Yes, Bruh. <laughs> Listen, if he comes out there with the black fit, the black feathers from WrestleMania with the X, you can give it all away. Give it all away. Yes, Give and dye freedom. the hair black too. Dye the hair back black too. There, to there's me. definitely more than one royal family when you do that. Yes, absolutely. And with that, that is a wrap for this week's episode of The Wrap right here on the Fiking Media Network Plus. We'll be back actually late Saturday night live on YouTube recapping the highs and lows of WWE payback going down live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is a nearly sold out show. WWE is doing the most trying to put the show together to the very last minute. We'll see how the card formulates by the end of this week. And we'll report back accordingly. But until then, enjoy the week to come for WWE until Next week, for myself, for Softy Scott Young, and for Jeremy Finestone, that's a wrap for all things WWE. Take care. Bye-bye.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.